The Red Sox have potentially addressed a rotation vacancy, and Michael Beller is back, and he's going to tell us about his Tout Wars draft. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Friday, March 6th. I'm Al Malkur, and the other person here is Michael Beller. He is back, and as I uh, mentioned at the Open there, he's uh, back from his Tout Wars draft. Really, really interesting draft. <laughs> we talked a little bit offline. Uh, Michael says he's not sure how he feels about it, but uh, you know, maybe we could clarify some, some things there. Uh, we will get to that, but let's get to the news first. And the big story is uh, really twofold. We have yet another Chris Sale update. He's been diagnosed with a left flexor strain. He's not going to throw again for at least a week. So Tommy John surgery is still on the table, but at least for right now, they're hoping that he can just work his way back uh, and maybe within a, a few weeks at the start of the season. And on the other side of the story, the Red Sox have signed Colin McHugh to a one-year deal. He spent last season with the Astros, a disappointing and injury-plagued season. Uh, had a 470 ERA and had a couple of IL stints with a sore elbow. So let's uh, t- let's start with Chris Sale here, Michael. Um, how do you? Well, I mean, we've we've talked about his value so many shows in a row now, but I mean, now we actually have a definitive diagnosis. We have something that's a little bit clearer of a timetable for him. So where are you at today with Chris Sale? Way out, L. Way, way out. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you could try to spin this as good news, I suppose, that he's not getting Tommy John surgery immediately. But maybe he would, from a fantasy player's perspective, not from a, a humanitarian perspective or from Chris Sale's perspective or his family or his friends or anything like that, we're not rooting for anyone to be injured. I should go without saying, but I just want to say it. Yeah. Uh, you would almost have rather have had him ruled out with the Tommy John right now because we still have weeks ahead of us of drafts where you're wondering maybe should I maybe shouldn't I I'm telling you don't do it there is rarely good news at the end of this story especially for pitchers I mean Al it would have to be like the 15th round of a draft before I ever even thought about Chris Sale it's just not going to happen I don't want anything to do with him and I feel like everyone should feel this way yeah, well, DVR and I talked about him on the Thursday episode. And again, we have a little bit more information now than we did then. Uh, in that episode, DVR and I were pretty much in agreement that we could start considering sale after about the 10th round. And realistically, I was thinking really more probably after about the 12th round. You're pushing it back a little bit more. I, I have no problem with that approach uh, to Chris Sale. I think maybe depending on your league, because of course, drafts play out differently in different leagues if you're in a draft where pitching really empties out pretty early then maybe I could be on that you know round 13 end of things but yeah round 15 that sounds about right to me or even a little little bit later so let's go to the really the the very new part of this story which is that the Red Sox finally made a move to bolster their pitching and even before sale was hurt there is uh, certainly a bit of a shortfall there so they went out and signed Colin McHugh uh, and I was a little bit surprised, Michael, because the report that I saw on MLB.com said that 
the team hasn't really determined what his role is yet. He could go back and forth between starting and relieving. I don't know. Things are really up for grabs there. I guess they're still looking at the possibility of one or two openers. So with that ambiguity about Colin McHugh, where do you see it being uh, sensible to draft him? And I, let me just shoehorn one more piece of information in here, which is that he has not started his basically his spring training yet. Uh, he you know dealt with that elbow issue in 2019. So he's not going to be ready for opening day. So that's another factor just to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, they can say all they want about him not being in the rotation when he is ready to go and when he is healthy, but uh, I don't believe it for a second. I don't think you go out and sign a guy like Colin McHugh uh, if you aren't planning on eventually stretching him out, especially when you know he's not going to be ready for opening day. I think this says bad things about Chris Sale because it's not like this is immediate, instant, right off the bat, March 26th help. And I think we know exactly what sort of role Colin McHugh is going to have to be in for this team. I mean, you know, roster resource is not exactly the Bible, but if you go look right now, the, 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 their fourth starting pitcher is Ryan Weber. Their fifth starting pitcher is Brian Johnson. I mean, we know that Colin McHugh is going to be a starter. And I want to get excited about Colin McHugh. This was a guy who I did like uh, quite a bit a few seasons ago, but... You know, he hasn't been stretched out as a full-time starter since the 2016 season. Uh, he's already uh, 32 years old. This is uh, technically his age 33 season, turning 33 uh, in the middle of June. But it just doesn't feel like a guy who we should be getting all that excited about. So draft stock, a deep league, maybe I'll take a flyer on him late in the year, especially if I can immediately just stash him on the IL. If I'm not worried about other IL guys or if I've got an unlimited IL then you know maybe I could get excited about him in that way, but it's just hard to really think he's going to play any meaningful fantasy role. Maybe a streamer, maybe a guy who you know the Red Sox have a couple of decent matchups lined up, and you pick him up for a week here, two weeks there. But other than that, as good as he's been in the past, as much strikeout stuff as he's flashed in the past, and did push up near ten strikeouts per nine last year, there's just not a whole lot of meat left on this bone. I don't think. All right, so you said late in the year, so you're really talking about maybe a, a watch list candidate, somebody you're tracking, but really more for, for fab purposes. Do, do I understand that correctly? Yeah, I just think that's, what he's, I think that's really more what he's going to be. Now, if you go you know, deep league, and like I said, maybe you can just grab him late, stash him on the IL, hope for the best when he first comes back. But, I mean, what is the best here, right? I mean, it's really hard with the fact that, he again, he hasn't been stretched out as a full-time starter since 2016. That's partially because of the Astros' embarrassment of riches in their rotation the last couple of years, partially because of injury. But this is a guy who does have that injury history and hasn't thrown you know a huge amount of innings in almost four years now. So it's just hard to get excited about that brand of player, especially a guy who's going to be turning 33 in the middle of June. Yeah. Well, I will say, and I don't know if this is consistent or inconsistent with what you just said, I could see making him a late-round flyer in, in a 15-teamer just like the type mm -hmm. of draft you just had a couple days ago <laughs> yep. uh so I, I could see pursuing him there and i would think he probably will be uh, be available for all the reasons that you just mentioned i think there's i think i'm a little bit more optimistic than you are because the skills are still there and even though the era was bad in 2019 and yet he only made a handful of starts it was all uh, almost exclusively out of the bullpen for McHugh. He does, and you did mention this, he does have that strikeout ability even as recently as last season. The skills overall, they were all just a bit off from from where they were in 2018. And again, that was a year spent entirely in the bullpen. But the, the decline last year, which you would expect given 
the amount of time that he spent dealing with elbow issues. It wasn't dramatic. It was a little bit off here, a little bit off there. Uh, he had a bad strand rate, which elevated the, the ERA. So it was not as bad of a season as I think it, it looks on paper on the on the surface, using the surface stats. But you just raised a whole bunch of issues that do make them really not a viable choice in anything shallower than, than 15 mm. teams, and, and certainly before the late round. So I'm on board with that, to be sure. Speaking of on board, I know, and you've been very vocal on this show about being on board with Oscar Mercado. He was one of your guys, right? In your, your my, he was. Guys, yeah, my guys column. He was one of your guys. So bad news that got slightly better during uh, the course of Thursday came out of a game on Thursday, uh, hurt his wrist on a defensive play. And then we got the diagnosis, a left wrist sprain, and he is tentatively listed as day to day. Uh, at least that is what we got on Twitter from uh, the athletic Zach Meisel. So it, it's better than it could have been, but still, especially with that tentative label placed on it, it sounds like Mercado's not really out of the woods. Uh, I'm sure this is one that we'll be updating as we go along, but it does provide us with a very neat segue into talking about your uh, Tout Wars draft that you just had because you, not surprisingly, drafted Oscar Mercado. You got him in the eighth round. He was your your first outfielder yeah. that you got. So uh, I know you must have been breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief when we got that most recent update about uh, Mercado. But uh, let's talk about the rest of your draft because actually the seven rounds before you picked Mercado, I think it's absolutely fascinating what you did. <laughs> well, thank you, Al. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, it, it. It's partially a compliment, partially a little bit of bafflement. Not not bad. Yeah. Just, you know, we're going to talk about this because I'm not sure I understand some things. So you took you had the 10th pick. It's a 15-teamer. You took Trevor Story with the 10th pick, which is fantastic. I don't know that he's going to last that long in a lot of – a lot of mm-hmm. drafts, so that was fantastic. Then he came back around in the second round, got Anthony Rendon, who's somebody I've been throwing some cold water on. Uh, yes, we talked about that. <laughs> so we have talked about that. <laughs> we won't rehash that, but we're going to get to Rendon in a different way uh, shortly. Then in the third round, so you got Story at short, you got Rendon at third, you took Xander Bogarts. Two short, sure did. Two shorts up to three rounds. <laughs> and then four rounds after that, Carlos Correa. So... What what's going on with the three shortstops? Yeah, we're making long stop at shortstop on this team. <laughs> They're very nice. Absolutely. Uh, look, I am a very true believer in best player available, especially. I mean, look at these rosters, right? We've got middle infield, we've got corner infield, we've got a utility, we've got five outfielders. Like, I am not going to worry too much about filling out my starting lineup uh, early on in drafts, and I still feel like when there are guys like. Carlos Correa, uh, right before him, Gary Sanchez, right before him, Kirby Yates, Josh Bell, Michael Conforto, Carlos Santana. These are the guys going in that round. To me, even though it's not the first three or four rounds, that is still early enough in a draft where I'm going to take the best player available, even though I realize going into it at that point, I'm locking up my utility spot. I just feel like Carlos Correa, even with the injury issues that he's had, uh, the per-game numbers are eye-popping. And... I'm willing to make that bet. I'm willing to take that risk at what? Pick number 100 on the dot. Yeah, that's 100 on the dot. 15 times 6 is 9. Do I have that right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. All right, good. No, yeah. So I just feel like that is the sort of time where you should still be going after 
best player available. And to me, Carlos Correa was that guy. The other person who I considered in that spot was Nick Castellanos, someone who I love, and I was a little bit concerned about the fact that I didn't have any outfielders yet. So when I saw Castellanos come off the board a few spots later, a little bit of a twinge of should I, shouldn't I have, but I still felt okay about it because I think that those three guys are just going to rake for me this season. And I hate drafting to trade. I think it's a very silly thing to do, and I promise you that did not enter my thought process for one second. But I wouldn't be surprised, Al, if I were able to turn around and trade one of those shortstops at some point in the season for someone who's hurting at that position, someone who's hurting at middle infield. It is never bad to collect big-time assets this early. I love having those three guys going into the season. All right. Well, you know, you hinted at this a little bit already talking about not taking Castellanos. There was actually a little bit of a run on outfielders right after you took Correa. Uh, but then again, you came around and took Mercado, who's somebody that you're, you know, is is a perfect fallback for you because you you really like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe you've already answered this question, but was there at some point maybe later on, not so much when Castellanos went, but later on where you had some regret uh, and you thought, man, I've I've waited too long to fill position X. Uh, I mean, it would have to be outfield um, regret. I don't know if I would say regret. I mean, I feel like, like you know, 15-team leagues, right? I mean, this deep, 15 teams, 29 rounds, you're always going to have a spot that you don't feel great about. Clearly, I made my peace with it gonna being outfield relatively early in this draft when I didn't have an outfielder through seven rounds. So what more made me regret the fact that, uh, the, that my outfield was built the way that it was was I was really uh, thinking I was going to be able to line up a bunch of outfielders. I was going to be able to stack a bunch of outfielders on top of one another who I do like, and I just missed out on a bunch of them. So uh, my queue at one point looked like Shinsu Chu, J.D. Davis, Ian Happ, Ryan Braun, all toward the top. And I really felt pretty good about, I mean, there was a time where I was dreaming about getting all four of them, realistically thinking I was going to be able to get three. I only got two in Davis and Braun, two guys who I think are really undervalued, especially Ryan Braun. So that would be the the point where I came, came closest to regret in that I wasn't able to corner the market on outfielders who are going outside the top you know, 40, 50 at the position who I think could play as top 30 outfielders this season. I really thought I was going to be able to get more of those guys than I ended up getting. But I like Mike Stremski a lot also, who I got a little bit later. Uh, I think he's going to be able to score a lot of runs atop that lineup, has a really nice stat cast profile. So I think that I was able to do okay here, but certainly outfield is the place where I'm going to be scrounging at least early in the season. Yeah, and, um, you know, that said, I you when you're talking about the, the middle rounds where you had all those outfielders queued up, I mean, it's nice that you were able to pick up a couple of outfielders who I would agree have been really undervalued, uh, Ryan Braun especially, and then a couple round, three rounds after that, uh, getting Mike Yastrzemski. So, um, you know, the, that uh, I think is probably going to work out for you. And I think you've already answered my next question, which is that you followed up getting Anthony, Anthony Rendon in the second round. Three rounds later, you got Vlad Guerrero Jr. So, you just really you had your approach, which was best player available, and you absolutely stuck to it. And I got to say, from my perspective, Guerrero in the fifth and, and Correa Correa in the fourth, um, that is fantastic value for both of those players. Correa in the seventh, you mean? 
I guess seventh, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, my heart was broken a few picks before that Guerrero. I was really hoping for Anthony Rizzo there. Would have filled out a first base spot that I needed. Would have given me a little bit more uh, uh, diversification uh, at that stage of the draft. But again, once Rizzo was gone, you look at the next guys off the board. Gallo, Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Eugenio Suarez. Uh, it just really felt like Guerrero was the obvious best player available. So I was happy to get him as my fallback from Rizzo. All right. Very, very nice. Well, uh, if you go to TotWars.com, there's a link to the full draft board there. So check out Michael's team and, and everybody else that participated. Uh, all-star roster of people from the uh, from the fantasy industry there. Uh, let's get on to the featured read, which is really just a follow-up on discussion that you and I had a few episodes back. We talked about Yusei Kikuchi and his really dramatically increased fastball velocity in spring training and Corey Brock did a nice piece that goes a little bit in depth on that and as well as many of the circumstances that affected Kikuchi's uh, performance in 2019. Uh, so this is uh, Corey Brock from The Athletic. Is Yusei Kikuchi already a bust or could he be a sleeper in 2020? So I love Corey's work and uh, this piece is Extremely relevant for uh, all of us uh, who are about to draft right now. So that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off your subscription by going to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And everything that we do is part of that subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and review, we would so greatly appreciate it if you did take the time to do that. So... For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker, and we will be back here on Monday. 